Welcome to Smart in the City, the Babel podcast where we bring together top actors in the smart city arena, sparking dialogues and interactions around the stakeholders and themes most prevalent for today's citizens and tomorrow's generations. I am your host, Tamlin Shimizu, and I hope you will enjoy this episode and gain knowledge and connections to accelerate the change for a better urban life. Smart in the City is brought to you by Babel Smart Cities. We enable processes from research and strategy development to co-creation and implementation. To learn more about us, please visit the Babel platform at babel-smartcities.eu. Well, today we are traveling back to Copenhagen to do a special episode in collaboration with Copenhagen Capacity. For the podcast OGs, you may remember that that was our first episode ever. Um, so I'm very excited to to revisit this. Um, and today we are journeying back to the beautiful city because Copenhagen has officially been designated as the world capital of architecture for 2023 by UNESCO on the recommendation of the General Assembly of the Internal Union of Architects, UIA. Um, so a little bit more backstory before we dig in um, is that the World Capital of Architecture Initiative was launched in order to highlight the key role of architecture, city planning, and culture in shaping urban identity and sustainable urban development. So today, of course, we're diving into the topic of topic of architecture and really looking also at this cross point of architecture and smart city solutions. Um, so I hope you all are excited. I am. Now I've kept you waiting long enough um, before introducing our guest today. Um, so first off, I want to introduce Camila van Duos. She's the chief city architect for the city of Copenhagen in Denmark. Welcome onto the show, Camila. Thank you so much for having me. It is absolutely our pleasure. Um, and joining you today, we have um, another great guest. Um, her name is Stephanie Weidner. She's the director at Werner Sobeck Copenhagen and the director of sustainability strategies of the whole Werner Sobeck group. So welcome, Stephanie. Hello, everybody, and thank you for the invitation. Absolutely our pleasure. So um, we always start off with a little bit of a teaser to get warmed up into the episode. Um, and the teaser that we prepared today uh, for both of you is what is your favorite building in Copenhagen that most people would not expect? Uh, Camila, maybe you want to go first? Oh, that's like asking a mother to choose between her favorite <laughs> children. That's not fair. <laughs> um, but I'm, I must say, I'm, I'm particularly fond of 1950s uh, public estate housing. There are some like beautiful, beautiful uh, brick um, uh, examples from that time. Oh, cool. Nice. Good answer. Uh, Stephanie, you're, you're still pondering. It's still di also difficult for you to choose. <laughs> it, it is super difficult. I mean, Copenhagen <laughs> has so much to offer, especially when you look into the uh, newer buildings and also all of those um, residential buildings that have been built. And I think I might go with one of those residential buildings. And um it is just opposite of the Papierörn Island. So um done by Kobe. And especially in summer, it's such a great atmosphere that you get there. And I think um even though it's probably quite high class uh, apartments, but uh the area and how they developed all of this um yeah, this neighborhood um seems to work very very well. And I and I really like the buildings too. So um, brickstone cool. there as well, but um, new, newer ones. 
Yeah, nice. Going for the Brickstone, old and new. Love it. Um, good. So let's dig in now. I'm getting into the, the brunt of the interview. Um, so Camila, I would love to start with you. And you have a very interesting background, I know. And I know everyone wants to know what led you to where you are today. Well, I'm trained as an architect from Copenhagen, and I did my PhD there as well with famous urbanist Jan Gale. And so obviously his theories about people and how they interact with cities have greatly shaped uh, my thinking in my career. And I continued to work at Gale Architects, um, where I was a partner for 11 years before joining the city of Copenhagen in 2019. So... uh, I was privileged enough um, in, at Gale to work with many, many cities internationally and and um, helping to create strategies uh, for those cities uh, and interact with their politicians. So I think for me, that's like a natural segue then to come back to Copenhagen and say, yes, we are uh, world famed as you know a great livable city. But we can do more. And I really wanted to be a part of shaping that. Yeah, really cool story. Actually, one unplanned question I have for you is that I'm wondering, because you did this work in your past with other cities, what is one lesson do you think that you've taken from from that that you've applied to Copenhagen? Well, I was part of um, the work on Broadway and Times Square in New York in 2007-8. And this idea of testing before you implement is something that um, we invented there together with the the local DOT, uh, Department of Transportation. Um, And I've really taken that method uh, with me as a way of both understanding our investments in cities better before we make them, but also as a way of, of engaging with the public in a very like open, democratic, experimental way. So we're doing that in Copenhagen now, based on the learnings from New York. Ah, very interesting. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Um, and Stephanie, um, same question to you. Can you give me a little bit of your backstory? What led you to where you are today? I'm also an architect by profession. And after my graduation, I wanted to learn more. I wanted to know more about sustainability because that was um, even during my studies, and even though they've now like 12 years ago, um, it, it really played a quite big role for me. So I wanted to learn more, and that's why I also did my PhD. So that's uh, quite interesting that Camilla did, did one too, because for architects, it's not something very usual. And um, my focus was more on the resource consumption of uh, built environment and on different residential structures and buildings. And um, so that's where I come from. I really like to look at um, what we as a construction industry consume in terms of resources, but also in terms of uh, emissions that we emit and that we cause. So that's been the focus of my my work. And um, I've been going deeper into all sorts of um, holistic approaches of sustainability because, you know, there's so much more to that. Um, we have the circularity that we're going to dig into today as well. And uh, then there's also environmental um, planning in terms of um, what uh, are we rather a low tech or high tech building? What technologies do we use? But then there's also microclimate that we need to look at and um, urban heat island effects that need to be taken care of, especially in urban structures. So, um, yeah, the whole bunch. And that's why... Um, 
sustainability has always been my personal focus and I'm so happy that I can follow this uh, personal agenda in my um, business day-to-day routine. So um, yeah, all of the sustainability topics, that's my background. And I'm glad that Copenhagen is so advanced so that I can learn from that, but also maybe bring some of the um, insights with me into Copenhagen. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm really interesting as well. I love your holistic approach. Um, so uh, maybe back to you, Camila. Um, what we're, we're having this episode today because Copenhagen was named the UNESCO UIA World Capital of Archite- Architecture. So what does that mean to you? And why do you think that that's important? I think it gives us a chance to reflect on both uh, our heritage, uh, where do we come from, um, and then to discuss how are we using architecture and urban planning in terms of, you know, the immense uh, planetary problems that, that are before us in terms of sustainability. And architecture and urban planning play an important role because all of the policies land in people's everyday lives. So how we live, how we move about in cities, uh, the products we're buying, everything is physical. And in order to make these shifts, these changes, architects and designers and planners are an integral part of solutions in terms of creating better, more sustainable lives. And I think that is, for me, the outcome of uh, the architecture capital uh, to discuss this and to to um, to learn from each other uh, because it's a great opportunity for the rest of the world to come to Copenhagen so we can share some of our solutions. But I'm just as interested in learning from the many, many people that are coming here this year. Yeah, um, happening first week of July, right? Exactly. So we're celebrating the year uh, throughout all 2023. And then the highlight is the UAE uh, World Congress of Architecture, which is in the beginning of July, where 10,000 people will come to Copenhagen. Cool. That's exciting. Um, and uh, Stephanie, do you have something to add there um, about what that means for, for Copenhagen? Yeah, I, I'm totally with Camilla there because I think it's um, a super good chance for Copenhagen to um, also communicate internationally what it has been doing for the last years and to to show the world what uh, what can be achieved when you're really behind those goals and when you have an objective that you're following. And on the other hand, to um, yeah, really learn from others maybe. What I would wish for um, is that maybe the focus just on architecture could be loosened up a little bit and um, extended to the whole um, to the whole construction industry because um, I know architects are like the most important probably the most important uh, part of it because they need to plan it they need to uh, give incentives and option op- yeah options for solutions um, but those challenges that we are facing cannot be solved just by one industry on its own or just by one um, um, profession on its own. So we always need to have um, yeah, the talks in between different sectors and also in between different specialities, like don't forget the engineering uh, and all of those um, yeah, engineers that need to provide us with solutions and um, help us there. So this would be... Um, my hope that um, the the sole focus on architecture could be widened up a little bit towards um, engineering as well and other parts like 
sorry, industry and so on, of course, do play a big role too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Actually, speaking on that, um, you know, most of our listeners are actually more on the smart city side of things and are not really, we don't have a large architect base of listeners. So I'm wondering if you, Stephanie, have any um, obvious crossover points um, that you see between, you know, smart city concepts. Of course, you mentioned circularity and sustainability, um, but maybe more of these uh, crossover points that you see between smart city concepts and architecture. Well, of course, there are so many intersections that could uh, cross your mind. Um, but I think what we first need to establish is what do we understand when we talk of a smart city? And um, for my part, I do understand that, for example, there is a um, highly efficient infrastructure where you have different um, transport um, possibilities, but all all electric, no emissions in the air. We have a total clean air. We have a lot of sensors, though, that uh, will know um, what the demand is in order to really offer um, the, yeah, to, or to provide then just what you really need. Um, so everything is connected with those senses. And I think um, that's my point of view. But of course, there are different, different scenarios, what everybody uh, imagines when speaking of a smart city. Um, but it coming, coming from my point of view, there are so many interactions where architects uh, need to, and architecture needs to, um, offer solutions where, um, there need to be some, some new typologies, maybe. I mean, lots of, um, lots of competitions and so on are focusing also on mobility hubs. I think this will be a genre of um, buildings of type, building types, um, that we will see much more often in the future because we will need to really offer solutions and that's where architecture needs to come in. And um, on an urban level, of course, also urban um, design is done by architects and city planners. So here the interaction is also very, very intense because um, again, solutions need to be offered and um, new typologies, building typologies need to work together with new transport um, methods and uh yeah, new ways of um, of living in a city, new new ways of working in a city. So um, all of those components need to be solved, and I think that's where architects will need to work on, and where we need yeah. to offer solutions. Yeah, absolutely, Camila. Do you have any like maybe examples or um, any obvious examples in your head of of how you work with smart city concepts within um, Copenhagen? Well, um, yes, many, but I, just a second, you know, one, one that springs to mind in this connection between smart city technologies and, and uh, architecture is an example from this, um, 1950s estate neighborhood in Bispibia, uh, I mentioned, uh, initially. And there we've been doing some work, um, with the IA4 cities, uh, project, and we've collaborated with three startups. Uh, about artificial intelligence, and, and one of them has been developing software that will predict energy and and solar panel uh, solar outtake from um, individual buildings, and sort of predict what is the best time uh, and when will will um, the solar power be available. And the way we've been landing it, sort of physically in this neighborhood is through different experiments and, and technological innovation of solar paneling roofs 
to fit the architectural heritage of this neighborhood. So developing solar panels that look like um, brick uh, roofs, which are very, very traditional in Copenhagen. Um, and so for me, this technology, the AI and the software is, of course, not necessary for um, for for the digital solutions to work, but they also have to interact in a beautiful aesthetic way with our, our context. And I think that's very, very typical for how Copenhagen approaches um, all of these smart city technologies, that it's not just about designing a, a technical solution or software solution, hardware solution, but it's about how does it interact with our cities? And so most of the areas that we're working with um, kind of have, you know, a beautifully designed public space where the solutions, whether it's air pollution or about climate uh, resilience or uh, energy adaptation, it kind of lands in a physical space. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's very much the way we're approaching this entire field to see the AI and the technology as a method to create better physical spaces as well. I love how you put that. Um, I'm also wondering if you can share a little bit around the developments and the relationship you see between circularity and architecture. Um, because, yeah, we actually did a podcast episode a little while ago around circular economy. And um, I'm I'm personally very interested in this topic and how it overlaps with kind of built environment and architecture topics. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've been um, spearheading um, a European program, uh, the circuit program, which is a European Union program um, between Copenhagen, Greater London, uh, Hamburg and the Helsinki region. And looking at how can we expand the notion of circularity within the building industry, because obviously uh, about a third of the CO2 emissions in the in the city are, are from the building industry. A other third is from mobility, uh, as mentioned. So mobility sector is really important as well. And, and in this program, we've been looking at um, buildings as uh, resources, as libraries, and how we, through um, mapping and data harvesting, can uh, can know more about the streams of materials in our cities, uh, when they'll be available, uh, where they are in the city, and to start to investigate how can we, through smart city solutions, then you know have a better understanding of the built environment as a resource. Um, and the program, the circuit program, is is ending this year, and we're using the the uh, sort of final session of the World Capital of Architecture to highlight these, um, the results um, that will provide legislation on both the EU, a national and a, a local level. So I think, you know, we're understanding that, well, 85% of our future city is already here. <laughs> We're not going to build as much in the future, and we have to reuse and, and adapt um, buildings, existing buildings to a much higher degree. And to do that, we need to understand what's there. And we need to understand the processes um, for harvesting, storing, transporting all of these materials. And part, smart city solutions are part of that discussion. 
Yeah. What, what else is part of the discussion? Like, um, I hear this, you know, kind of sustain, sustainability is obviously a word that is thrown around a lot. What does like sustainable design and those type of concepts mean to you? Well, I think right now we're at a point where it's still a relatively new concept. I mean, relatively in like the history of the city, which is more than 850 years. And so there is a certain like aesthetic of sustainability right now, which is very visual. It's very communicative. So um, a lot of architects um, are working, you know, with layering of materials, like exhibiting like the roughness of these sustainable materials. And to me, at least, they have a beautiful patina. Um, you know, they're really interesting, tactile projects. But I do think that it's sort of a phase because we ha we are in these early stages of circularity where we have to be very, very communicative about um, the materials. And I think, you know, looking to furniture design, which has kind of been ahead of this movement much, much earlier with cradle to cradle thoughts and kind of design for disassembly for you know, 20, 30 years. I don't see that that um, kind of visual aesthetics of sustainability being that prominent anymore in furniture design. You know, there was a time when everything was like cardboard chairs and granulated plastics and and very visually communicative about the circularity. And and that's changed over time as it has become a more integrated part of the furniture design industry. And I do think that architecture will get there, you know, and whether it's next year or within the next 10 or 20 or 30 years, sustainability and circularity is going to be an integral part of everything we do. So we might not need to, to advertise it quite, a, quite as much as we're doing visually right now. Yeah, with Copenhagen leading the way is the goal, right? Yeah, I mean, some of the the listeners might want to check out uh, Danish architect Anas Lenea, who's done some really interesting projects um, about uh, reuse of materials. Good tip. Thank you. Um, Stephanie, I'm wondering if you can also speak to this a little bit as you, you're, from my understanding, you're working in other cities on these concepts of sustainability. Um, what have you seen is kind of the steps that most cities need and are taking to, to meet these goals? Well, other cities uh, do have their own agenda as well. I mean, I'm, we're working quite a lot in Hamburg. And uh, in Hamburg, the Hafen city, which is the harbor um, area, um, they are developing a huge area just for um, different usages. And uh, so they are really starting from scratch. They're reusing the land sites um, that were harbor before. And so, so partly also contaminated, um, which is a tough challenge also in speaking of the foundation etc but um so i can compare it a bit to to hamburg because i think they are comparable those two cities and have different approaches but maybe both are um working so um for the half half a city in hamburg um they have chosen the attempt of trying something else with sustainability they want to have um developers offer sustainable solutions by telling them if you do 
have those sustainability goals that are set beforehand, like, for example, reduce CO2 emissions for the embodied emissions to down to 20% or um, have uh, a circularity um, approach to to four of your building components, like facade needs to be circular and the floor slabs and so on. So um, they have real concrete um, goals that um, the developers need to follow and to follow through especially and for that they get the 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 plot for a cheaper price so i think it's a quite good deal to um, give incentive um, for developers and for investors um, to follow a really sustainable sustainable um sustainability route and um i mean price does lead the way somehow still we are not there that everybody is just um yeah working on an ideal idealistic um, approach but you really need some um, economic incentives too so i think it's a good good deal to say um, let's let's follow that and i give you a cheaper price so you can really um, invest into sustainability so i really like this approach but um, of course copenhagen has so much other benefits that they they also offer i mean they have this um goal of carbon neutrality by 2025 this is uh, unique in europe it will be the first capital then by that going carbon neutral hopefully that works and um, up to 70 percent recycling of municipality solid waste so all of those really um fixed goals i think we need more of that and what I see, especially in other parts, like for example, Germany, is that it all goes very soft. So you say, ah, we want to decrease uh, by maybe 30% compared to 1990. And, and so nobody really knows what's, what's the goal. I mean, those comparisons are really hard to grasp for, for, um, people that are not working with them every day, whole day. So uh, you need, really need some, some headlines, some concrete headlines. And I think Copenhagen is doing that quite well. And I hope that other cities will jump on that and um, work on their communication and set the goals and also offer solutions and offer methods to reach those solutions. And um, yeah, one, one method, for example, is to really offer a network like um, Copenhagen Cir Circular. Um, that's also a very innovative platform run by the city that um, is focusing on developing tomorrow's circular um, solutions. And I think we need more of that because we need a, a whole network, not just for the built, building industry, but as I mentioned before, for um, a wider scale and to include different industries into the circular approach. Because who knows, maybe um, some other kind of industry um, has this byproduct in their uh, pro production process that is not needed anymore and it could be a very valuable um construction material so we need to talk more and that's i think something that's been done in denmark and in copenhagen in particular very well yeah i actually want to touch on that a little bit more on the on the talking more and the building up partnerships um how have you seen international companies and different partnerships contributing to copenhagen's transition towards uh becoming a more sustainable capital and why do you think that they're important i think it's very important and i think uh, it does happen too i mean um i don't think i'd tell any secrets by that but uh, in in denmark there are some lobbies that are very strong for example um 
precast concrete elements or also um, um, in terms of insulation material. There is a quite strong um, lobby there. And um, it's just these these lobbies are... Um, they formed solutions over the last years and decades that are being used very broadly and very widely and successfully, but that are not necessarily the best and most sustainable solutions. So I think especially in those cases, it does make sense to look internationally and to see what other countries and what other industries and um, yeah, producers can offer uh, for example, timber has been um, quite neglected over the last decades in in Denmark. Uh, of course, we don't have a lot of timber in Den in Denmark, but um, it's also okay to import timber if it doesn't come from too far away. But but still, it, it needs to have a discussion, and we need to be able to discuss different options and different versions and different solutions, and not be just um, cut off because we've been doing this for the last years and uh, it's been working, so we'll continue with it. And I think that's where um, it really makes sense for Denmark, for Copenhagen, to include international companies, include international firms, and I feel like it's been happening and it like it's working. And also I myself, I'm going a lot into discussions and, um, yeah, in, into talks with, um, with local partners, um, to, to really discuss other options and to look at other solutions that are possible and could be used in Denmark too. Yeah, really consulting the international market. Um, I love it. Uh, Camila, what um, what partnerships has Copenhagen made with like international companies or likewise? Well, well, I think one of our our most famous collaborators is probably Google. So we've been partnering with Google um, to monitor air quality and. And just using their Google Street View cars to gather a lot of data and then create um, physical strategies uh, called Thrive Zones around those to talk about air quality in terms of, of uh, where children move in the city and um, just providing general health. So I think these, you know, mega companies, international companies have a fantastic platform to help cities already, but there are so many great uh, smaller uh, businesses that are developing solutions that we want to look at. And I think the benefit for us in Copenhagen is that we're a relatively small city, small country. And so the distance between policymakers and and civil service and 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 companies is not that great it's a it's a small or is you know it, it's it's very close and the um we we know each other and and there's a real commitment we have what's known as the Copenhagen Solutions Lab which is a smart cities organization and and the the purpose is to use the city as a living laboratory and I think it's possible because we are a relatively small city um, and and there is this political support and commitment to work uh, and understanding that because we are a small city, small country, we need to collaborate. We need to have talents from, you know, all over the world to come and to, to grow to this knowledge together. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we're almost done, I promise. But um, I, I always like to give you a, a bit of time now um, to talk about anything that you think that we missed, that you really want the listeners to know. Um, or you can also use a time if you have any questions for each other. Um, so do you have anything that you really want to put out there? I, I think for my end... Um... I, I think that you, you were kind enough to mention this um, ambition of being climate neutral by 2025. And I can already tell you now, we're not going to quite make it. But uh, but it has really helped helped drive innovation. And it's it's uh, we've reduced by now uh, carbon by 86%. And within the next two years, we're going to keep, keep struggling, but I don't think we'll quite make it. Um, but what we're... What we've done is a lot of the sort of very large uh, structural changes in the energy sector, in mobility, in electrification, in central heating. And what we need to address now is like everyday life choices. What do? How do we act as as um, citizens? Um, because it's about the consumption based um, uh, emissions as well. And I think smart city solutions can really help that because when you become aware, I think we saw it, all of us saw it, you know, with our electric bills in this present, you know, global crisis of the Ukraine war, you know, having that feedback loop very, very directly about how you're interacting in various ways with your environment gives you a real incentive to start to change. And so I'm hoping that technology can help uh, with consumer-based uh, emissions, and because that's what it's going to take Copenhagen the next kind of step in term, terms of uh, reducing our total emissions. Yes, thank you, Kimmel. I'd also like to to add on that that um, I think that given the challenges, um, we should also start rethinking given setups that we are using, uh, given norms and um, requirements on con- on construction materials and components um for example in terms of acoustics i mean is it really that bad to hear at least a little bit of your neighbor once in a while do you really need uh, so thick walls in order to really feel alone and uh, not hear or see anything from the world around you i think those those things really need to be rethought of as from us as uh, as users as people living in the cities working in those cities and um i think it would have a really high impact on the resource consumption and then another thing that i'd like to highlight is um in terms of um renovation so i mean that's a huge challenge ahead of us you said 85% of um, of the buildings uh, in the future are already built i totally agree because i think renovation transformation um of existing buildings is like one of the core topics that we will need to follow and also here it does make sense to really um think wisely how much insulation you really put on your walls and how much you really need to do there because we want to be carbon neutral, which means we need to change all of the, um, or we need to reduce our fossil fuels. And that's our primary goal. And yes, so I think we really need to challenge our thoughts and challenge um, 
what we've been doing and thinking over the last years, if they're just really applying or if there are alternative solutions as well. So um, yeah, I hope this, this could make a fairly clear point with that, but yeah. um, we only reach that when we work interdisciplinary. So I think um, I already made that clear that interdisciplinarity <laughs> is, is like the key. And I really think that that would be great. So thanks for, for this talk today. I think it was really valuable and I'd like to continue, Camila. Yes. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, good. So before you, before we let you go, we actually, um, have our lovely segment that we, that we do. So we do a different segment on each of the episodes. Um, and so it's a bit of a fun, uh, a fun little game. Um, this one that we picked for you is one of my favorites. It's called Roll with the Punches. Roll with the Punches. Answer this or that questions quickly and with your first instincts. Um, don't worry, they're not that challenging, but um, at the end, you'll you'll get to explain any of your answers. So we'll just move quickly through it. Um, so Camila, I'm sorry, but uh, I've selected you to go first. Um, sure. <laughs> um, so uh, Camila will answer and then Stephanie, you, you answer directly afterwards. Okay. 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 Um, so coffee or tea? Tea. Tea. Open floor plans or defined room divisions? Uh, defined. Open. Uh, public parks or rooftop gardens? Public parks. Same, public parks. Tivoli Gardens or Knee Haven? Tivoli. Tivoli, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wide boulevards or narrow streets? Narrow streets. Mm, wide boulevards? I'll need to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> Preserving old neighborhoods or developing new ones? Preserving. Preserving. <laughs> Good answers. Um, do you want to uh, def uh, explain any of your answers? I think we disagreed on scale, didn't we? Um, on the wide scale of the, uh, of the, um, of the boulevards. Yeah. Boulevards, I mean, yeah. I, I must say, I, I just landed yesterday um, from Venice. I was at the opening of the Venice Biennale and just, you know, mandering the scale of, the, of, of that city. Just it feels so human um, and, and so magical. And the proximity, I think, is um, important in terms of delivering a density um, to to a very small area and just the the human scale is wonderful so narrow yes, streets definitely no i i totally agree that and the reason why i said is uh, for once i i didn't want to always have the same answer as you <laughs> but uh, on the other hand um i i wouldn't say boulevards depends on how you define it in in my head uh, the, those boulevards are a green meander of uh, parks rather than uh, than streets, as you'd probably had in mind when you uh, thought of um, narrow ones. Because I, I totally agree, we need density and we need uh, to have um, yeah a high efficiency of, of floor plan usage or of um, ground usage. But it's it's interesting that we're both thinking about uh, these streets not as streets but as public spaces or parks, yeah. right? That's a common denominator. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's totally uh, interesting because I don't think that infrastructure, especially streets like for 
cost should be dominant in cities at all ever again, because they had the last 60, 70 decades in our cities. And now it's time to really put the human scale mm -hmm. in. And, um, yes, of course, it would be good to have a human scale also on, on, on the smaller, cozy one. Um, but as well, maybe on a, uh, yeah, very green open area where you have, um, a good way of, um, of uh, air transmission and so on. So, um, both would probably be good. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other one that you disagreed on was the open floor plans and the defined room divisions. Oh, right. Uh, yes. Do you want to explain a bit? I, I'm just finding, you know, that um, as I get older, I have trouble concentrating. If I'm like, you know, I, I do spend a lot of my time in, in meetings and gatherings, public talk talks. And when I need to get work done, I need to concentrate. Yes. And for me, I'm, I've always been working in an open, open space and I really love the way of communication. And I think communication is also one of the most important things that we have. I'm also quite a lot in meetings. Um, but sometimes I have, um, the situation that after my meeting, um, people sitting around me are like, Oh, that's so cool. Okay. What, what project is that? And so uh, I really like this, um, this interaction that, that comes from uh, working in a in an open space, but of course, for some talks, it's very good to have an a smaller um, room where you can sit and talk quietly. Yeah. Yes. So. I, I like how it is in Blocks Hub, actually, in Copenhagen, how you have some of the, the closed rooms, but then uh, some very yeah, open spaces exactly. as well. So yeah. a combination there. We have a lot of those telephone booths as well. So yeah. you can always go in there and talk there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, good. So now we're at the last question. And it's the question that we ask every single guest. And uh, we, we kind of touched on, on it before. Um, but it's uh, to you, what is a smart city? Uh, Camila, do you want to go first? Well, smart city is just a, a, a tool for having a livable city, a great space um, to live, to work, to play, to love. Uh, so for me, smart city and smart city technology is an enabler. I love that. I've never heard it um, described as a tool before. I ask this to every guest. So I, I love that description. Uh, Stephanie? Yeah, I already um, named parts of it, but I really like your definition, Camila, too. It's, uh, it's great to see it as an enabler. And I think it's, um, it's an enabler. Yes. And maybe also the product, um, that we will gain from, um, artificial intelligence. Yes. From, but from a very, very dense and intense communication. And this will be a communication between people uh, that are working, people that are living, um, people that are, um, moving around there. And um, then all sorts of transportation and all sorts of buildings, like um, to have just communication everywhere and to have sensors and uh, information available everywhere. And I think information, that's the easiest thing to reach in theory, but in, in practice, it seems to be the hardest thing to reach because I think it's at the basis of everything. And I really hope that um, by getting closer to the smart city, we will gain more and more information and we'll have better foundation for our decisions for the future. So that's what I am hoping for, wow. at least. 
I love both of your descriptions there. So thank you so much. Um, now I would like to also invite all of the listeners and you to a special event from Copenhagen Capacity. Um, it's on the 3rd of July in Copenhagen during the UIA World Congress that Camila mentioned earlier. And of course, it's put on by Copenhagen Capacity and Invest in Skåne. And it's a network and mingle green urban features event. So we'll link um, the in the show notes, the registration link. Um, yeah, make sure you're there. Uh, and with that, I'll let you all continue on your day. Thank you so much for for taking the time to both of you, Camila and Stephanie. Um, yeah, we we don't talk actually enough about architecture on this show, and I really love this holistic, um, interdisciplinary uh, work and, and things that you mentioned, Stephanie. So um, very appreciated to have both of your perspectives. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thanks. It was such a nice talk. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. So yeah, and to all of our listeners, uh, don't forget you can always create a free account on babel-smartcities.eu to find out more about smart city projects, solutions, implementations, all these cool things happening. Um, and with that, thank you so much. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you at the next stop on the journey to a better urban life.